Hi, I'm Manola, and this is episode 7 of Art in Conversation. On the first Thursday of every month in Seattle, you'll find a bunch of neighborhood-hosted art walks. If you haven't been to one before, an art walk is basically this. You get to a neighborhood that's hosting one, and then you walk from gallery to gallery, some put on in restaurants and others in tiny studio spaces. It's an easy way to bump into the work of artists you've never seen before, and it's also where I came across the ceramics work of this episode's artist, Coco Spadoni. I found their work at a gallery space called The Factory. In it, I saw that some of Coco's work is functional, like their mugs, while other pieces, like the cloud-shaped slabs I saw on the walls of the gallery, aren't. Either way, Coco told me that one of the things they love the most about ceramics is the body's relationship with it. To make art with clay, you get dirty, you shape it with your own hands. And even for the people who purchase the pieces, like the mugs, Coco says that the intimacy continues when they use it. Coco talked to me about why they got into pottery and how they use the intimacy of this art form to their advantage. So ceramics I kind of fumbled into and then it kept calling back to me. I had taken just a class that my dad had gifted me for my birthday when I was in college. I think it was like a four-week course just at a private studio, kind of the same setup that I now work at. Um, And I just kind of couldn't stop. Even when I was in school, I just would like continuously go there and try to get as much open studio time as I could. And then from there, I had been connected to a potter in BC, Canada, where my dad lives. And so in between my years in school during the summer I would stay there and I did a work trade with a potter on Galliano Island which is kind of like the it's a Gulf Islands of Canada but it's pretty much like almost like their San Juan so they're small little islands in between Vancouver and Victoria and then from there I was working more conceptually with different sculptural stuffs and across different mediums and then just kind of couldn't stop thinking and wanting to work in ceramics so then I moved into different work studies and Hmm. assistantships because I couldn't afford classes which is really awesome most people (laughs) know about that is if you know a little bit you can actually just trade your Hmm. time in exchange for studio setup so that's really cool yeah yeah um yeah and that's interesting just ceramics being an art form that is it's much easier to access it through workshops or classes of some mm-hmm. kind. It's not really something you can just pick up. Was that like a barrier for you in any way? Yeah, there were, you know, different times, like six month periods where I didn't have studio space and couldn't really work on anything and would be reaching out and kind of scrapping together opportunities where I was. So it definitely affected the way that I work and it affects the way that I work now because even with community studio access you're only guaranteed a certain amount like I'm very curious what my work would look like if I had facilities that weren't limited so it it impacts most of my considerations in the work that I do and I think that that is beneficial in some ways and I'm curious if it would change my work if I had Mm -hmm. a different setup and I think that's why often people do pursue education in a university or different residency programs because there's just such an expansion of what you can do in clay with 
those facilities. And it's really interesting to me that I feel like maybe because of that inaccessibility in some ways, Mm -hmm. um, people have a lot of different conceptions of what ceramics art is before going in. Like maybe for some people it's sculptures, maybe for some people it's just mugs. So yeah, what was your conception of ceramics before you actually went into it? Because you were all the way in college before you started. Um, You know, I had limited myself for so long because I really considered myself more of a 2D artist. Oh, so you'd already consider yourself an artist. Yeah, Yeah. or or working towards, right? Mm -hmm. Like developing a voice and trying to figure out what that would look like. And was going to school and part of my degree was in studio art. So I was Mm. considered myself mostly someone who draws and paints. And then um, I hadn't taken ceramics in high school. I didn't really have any interest in it and that's why I say that ceramics kind of came to me and I kept kind of calling back Mm. um, because I just didn't consider it at all until I had physically done it and then that shift happened because it's such a process that is so involved with the body and kind of calls for the brain to stop being there all the time and ways that drawing it's so present and every movement is a consideration while at least with like the wheel and working in hand building it's a lot more intuitive and it's um almost better if you kind of just tell your brain to shut up (laughs) (laughs) like okay stop micromanaging right now i really like at least with working on the wheel that as soon as I have any other life thing kind of bubble up in my head, it instantly changes the way that I'm working on the wheel. And then I have to kind of step back and be like, okay, not the time right now. Stop thinking about what you're going to buy at the grocery store. You have to be very present to work on the wheel. So that's something that I like about it. And just the amount of nurturing and caregiving that clay requires because it's so much about time and the process of that time because if you neglect it for a couple days and you didn't pay attention to it it could crack and your whole project would just be scrapped so there's a lot of caregiving involved in clay with the art that you do now I know that a lot of the art you do is functional pottery Mm -hmm. um which is I mean there are so many different ways you can approach that it could be sculpture or something like that Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that you don't do anything but functional pottery, yeah. but um, why is that a focus for you? Um, well, I, I do sculptural as well. Like the more logistics side of things is because I can continually make and I can produce things and not have to worry about ton of kiln space. But the main draw of it for me is the accessibility point of art for people. So, um, yes, I do make sculptural work, but for somebody to be able to enjoy that, it usually has a higher price point with the material cost and the amount of time that's put into it. Um, While something that I'm really drawn to in making functional pots is that you can have a piece of art that has a really reasonable price point and then take it home and use it and see it all the time. Hmm. I like the aspect of functional pottery because of 
the fact that you actually have to interact with that art all the time to really serve its purpose. You have to like get it messy, lick it, touch it, hold it, taste it. Then you have to physically wash it and take care of it and put it back in your cabinet and just keep that cycle. Mm. And I'm really drawn to the amount of intimacy that using a piece of pottery calls for. I forget the potter that brought up this point, but I was listening to a podcast probably a couple of years ago, and it's something that stuck with me, is that she has a collection of mugs from potters that she's met in her life or different collection, and she looks at her collection every day and picks a mug based on, like, who does she want to have breakfast with that day? And that's something that I really love, hmm. this, like, continuous conversation and intimacy that having an art piece that you have to interact with in order to use it or that you can. I mean, sure, you could have a piece that just sits on your mantle and that's fine, but I like the tactility of it even after I make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and which is so different than the kind of art that you were doing prior to ceramics. Yeah, and I still love, um, I still love like things that operate sculpturally or are 2D. I mean, the Unpleasant Show, that one was very little functional pottery and you could buy a couple of my cups and mugs on the side of the bar. <laughs> yeah. But um, I love I, the way that an art piece can be in a room and what that gives um, for someone. But I also do like the involvement of the body because my work is so much about the body that having that kind of loop back into the way that someone works with and uses my piece also involves the body. At the art walk where I first saw their work, Coco was showing pieces from their series about the body called Unpleasant. I gravitated towards one piece inspired by what Coco calls the Toe Fairy, which they'll tell you about in a second. They talked to me about the series and how that focus on the body came about. So, most of my work I'm really interested in this investigation of those moments and those ways that being in our body is kind of uncomfortable, but also humorous and playful and gross <laughs> and just like what being part of and using a body is and what that means in like the whole aspect of it. I use a lot of abstraction and a kind of visual vocabulary vocabulary that involves the narrative of either like my kind of personal experience, memories, shortcomings of my body, failures of my body, um, to, to really delve into the experience of embracing that and almost like making it fun and cute. Because <laughs> yeah. I have this contrast of like kind of what is more considered grotesque or like mm. gross ideas and and theories but then like really cute color palettes and more like illustrative and flattened in its um execution so i like that 
conflict that's kind of going on and it makes like a new imagining of like if we honored that feeling and we honored embarrassment like what would that look like when I was looking at it at least parts of it were these cloud shaped pieces uh, with different kind of symbols and like little drawings on them each representing different body stories so I was curious what your favorite one was and if you could describe it and maybe uh, tell the story behind it yeah um I want to to do the one that you bought. <laughs> yeah, I did end up buying a piece. It yeah. kind of looked like, um, it's like, again, like a little cloud shape piece. Um, it's little, almost without the story, mine like little orange toe boomerang mm-hmm. things on it. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, tell me. <laughs> that piece, because most of them are highly personal about memories mm-hmm. or different things that are going on in my life or on my body and how that's like a, my body is my personal narrative. So that particular piece is about my own toe, and <laughs> it just decided one day to grow another bone. <laughs> so that um, that piece is called Toe Fairy. So I was kind of picturing like this idea of like, okay, my body likes to grow like extra benign body parts. Like I also had like a benign tumor in my breast, and then like a year later, I have now this other part of my toe that's just trying to develop like oh my body's just so productive it's just trying to make more (laughs) yeah um so I had this picture of like well I don't want to get surgery that would really like mess up my life it's not painful but what if I had this like toe fairy that would if I could just take my bone off and then you know have it like be rewarded so I made them in these kind of boomerang shapes, but they're almost like more like butterflies to me. Like I kind of picture them like flying away and just having that not be an issue for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that one is is definitely up there and one of my favorites. And then another piece was this one of like a, a bathtub kind of dripping. And the summer before that, I had chronic BV, which I don't know if you know, but it's a bacterial infection in the vagina. Um, it's kind of like an ongoing yeast infection, mm. but I had chronic, so it was like a six month issue. Mm. And I love baths and baths are my like favorite thing to do when I'm stressed out, but baths were the reason oh, I was no. getting it. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So that one's like bubble baths and BV. Um, and I just like the imagery of it because it's like very fun and playful, but it's like about me struggling to <laughs> sacrifice my bath time. So it was just me daydreaming about taking a bath, but I couldn't. Or like, <laughs> I finally could take baths again. But yeah, yeah, so. no, it's it's just yeah. I feel like everyone has like those strange like body stories that they don't even tell anybody, mm-hmm. maybe because they think it's too weird or something like that. Yeah, um, but. I think it's really cool that you focus in on them, like on like a really acute level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how did that come about? Was it just something that you realized um, you were just accumulating all these stories, or like? Yeah, I think it's it kind of started with trying to intersect a lot of my themes in my installation work before, and then my want to incorporate ceramics and functional pottery and like how can I design this sort of visual language and these symbols and my own kind of like iconography of things so it 
it was started with patterning on my pots and then I felt like that wasn't really serving the more like specific narratives that I mm. wanted to do that I was doing in my sketchbook and just kind of thinking about and then was trying to problem solve about how to do that in a way that felt more like they would read as like a story or a specific experience but then have overlap with my functional pottery mm -hmm. as well. Wasn't Pleasant your first uh, ceramic series? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then just kind of looking back at your other work, which isn't all pottery, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you kind of have a lot of work that focuses on reimagining things, like mm -hmm. one past um, exhibition focused on reimagining faith to include like queer mm -hmm. identities and just other forms of looking at things that exist and how they could be or how you can imagine them in a different way, even unpleasant mm -hmm. being reimagining what beauty is like even looking at yeah. those unpleasant flatty stories that we keep to ourselves mm -hmm. so why is that a theme that you find yourself just returning to i think that art has this power for us to have like a visual example of the ways that things could be different mm -hmm. that art can do in general but i was very interested in kind of a, a different landscape for that and what that would actually look like. So the series that you were talking about was specifically from my Pray It No Mind show in Vancouver, BC, and my thesis show of undergrad liminality that I was interested in kind of looking at physically what would a queer church look like or what, what kind of imagining of a place that would be a holy place for and by queer people and in this series I kind of wanted to move more away from that because I just wanted to investigate like my own intimacies and my own experiences really hyper personally and almost like almost microscopically too in some of the mm -hmm. the works but I I'm really interested in how when you visually see things you can actually imagine that new horizon and that new sense of where things could go that I think um, is really powerful and a really new way of understanding them. When you see, at least in that Unpleasant series, what I would hope is that when you see these different body parts and how they're interacting with each other and they're almost like cartoon and playfulness, you can like have a new sense of how to be kind and playful to your own body and your own embarrassments and your own ways that your body and your mind are not always on the same page. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just another thing that struck me about your work, that it's definitely rooted, or it seems like it's rooted in your own experiences, like exploring gender and queerness and body, like relationship to the body. Um, mm -hmm. What brings you to that? And was that always like your intention to make your work so like deeply personal that way? Or did it just kind of naturally come about? I think it partially came about just because my own experience is the one I know closest to. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it is also intentional and in that it's much easier to relate to a concept and to something when it's someone's personal experience and how that might overlap with yours. So even though you're not growing your own bone in your toe, <laughs> there's probably something about that was like, 
calling to you of mm-hmm. like how that would relate to an experience that you had or with the bubble bath and ba- bubble bath and bv piece i had a person go from that show of like oh my god like I'm so into this because I have BV right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, me too. <laughs> that sucks. Um, but just, I think because it's about that vulnerability and new understanding of the body, it has to be hyper personal because that's the way that we are processing our own bodies. And even though there's different experiences, we're not sharing these things with each other so I wanted like a space to do that in the visual work mm-hmm. notice in a lot of that series that you focus on a couple colors particularly like blues and kind of reddish pinks I was mm-hmm. wondering if you had any thoughts behind why those colors were chosen for that yeah I mean I personally like those colors and then also it was just like reference to like gender and being in the body is like a person who doesn't want to be gendered as an agender person, but is like continuously and always going to be gendered, even though that's like not, you know, being in my body and the, the way that the world sees me is very different. Um, so it's a negotiation of like m- my body and my experience being in my body and then how the outside world sees and how my body is interacted with when I'm navigating space. Mm-hmm. So it's intentional in that sense. And then the kind of back and forth of pinks and blues and reds and oranges and these kind of things that are in the same kind of palette of pink and blue. Mm-hmm. Were there any other artists that you've seen that have expre- like that have explored gender in the way that you have? Or do you feel like you relate or are inspired by any artists? Or do you feel like in some ways this is kind of like a new trail that you've seen? I haven't seen it as much Mm -hmm. in ceramic work or when it has in other conceptual works, it seems more abstracted and less personal. So I've been thinking about that question, but I've had a hard time answering it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, that's I think why I'm so excited about that work is because I haven't really seen things in that example, and that doesn't mean they're not out there. I'm sure there's somebody working with similar themes or similar aesthetic. Um, I just haven't come across it yet. Sure, yeah. And that's where I want ceramics to, to go because for me it makes sense as a medium for this because it's mm-hmm. so involved with the body. And it's so much like your touch is what's doing this in a different way than other mediums mm-hmm. operate. So you're also a teacher, mm-hmm. um, a ceramics teacher. So. Could you tell me a little bit about the studio where you uh, teach at? Yeah. So I work at Saltstone Ceramics. They're in Wallingford on 45th, right by the Taco Time. That's cool. a point of reference. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I teach eight-week classes and a lot of private lessons and one-night classes, mostly focused on the wheel. Um, what other things? Uh, yeah, how did you get started with teaching? Was that something that you wanted to do with this or something you kind of like fell into on accident? I never thought I would want to be a ceramics teacher um, <laughs> just because I didn't think that I would be in ceramics at all. Um, but it was something that I just kind of fell into and it had been a goal of mine that I thought was quite farther out to actually make happen. But it 
got connected through being an assistantship for a potter, Sarah Steininger-LaRue, who opened up an expanded studio from her house into a private studio in Wallingford. And since they had been working with her for a year, year before and kind of subbing for classes and doing small workshops out of there, I just got tracked into being a teacher. And then I really love it. And it's such an exciting way to work with people and also influences my own practice. Mm-hmm. Is it mostly younger people or are the ages all over the place? Mostly adults, but I do teach okay. a teen class. So oh, they're really fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's what I was doing earlier today. It's 12 to 16 year olds mm-hmm. and there are six people in a class. So they're really fun energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious how they come into it. Did they kind of come into it thinking like, oh, I'm going to make a vase or something or were they pretty open? I don't know how you teach the classes. Yeah. The adults, it's a lot more managing of emotions Mm. and uh, vulnerability. A lot of people expect themselves to be good at something right away. And (laughs) if they're not, then they're that's just not their thing. And that's not how anything works. So it's a lot of reassuring and being really positive and creating a safe environment for for them to kind of flounder and fail and be okay with that. And then the teens are just like dive straight in. Well, it's not what I wanted, but I kind of like it. And they're much more like energetic, not (laughs) expecting anything. Mm -hmm. They definitely hit walls of frustration too, but it's not nearly as hit to the ego as it is <laughs> for adults yeah so oh yeah um and I think a lot of people expect ceramics to seem to be easy just because it seems so fluid in the way that it happens mm-hmm. when you see it in a video oh, it just yeah. seems to, like come together in like a minute you know um yeah. so could you walk me through like what that's like just like how like just I don't know how you form pottery or how how would you explain it to somebody that Maybe mm-hmm. hasn't done it before. Yeah. So usually when I preface a demo, I just tell people to be really kind to themselves <laughs> and that they're going to get a wobbly pot, but it's just like your body hasn't learned the skill and there's nothing like it. Um, so essentially it is putting your ball of clay in the center, but then knowing exactly which pressure points and which directions to control where your clay is going to go. Mm-hmm. So you mostly want to focus on the proper hand movements and and there's many depending on your body type but you just want to know how to place your hands so that the clay only has one exit hole instead of going in all different directions so what's called centering is probably the hardest part because you're trying to get your ball of clay to be perfectly around and not in different spots in the wheel so that you can move forward and not get uneven walls and like different directions or have your piece collapse And then from there, it is mostly stability and knowing your body and grounding yourself in the body and then adjustment of speed. And so moving really slow with super stable hand movements and controlling the direction of where your clay is going to go. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Art and Conversation. If you're looking for more about Coco or seeking past episodes, take a look at the Fields website, fieldsmagazine.com. From Seattle, have a good night and see you next episode.